Have you ever found pleasure in someone else's misery? Sometimes that can happen for us in, you know, self-serving, sinful ways, like somebody at work who always gets these accolades but doesn't really do their job really well, and then suddenly they make a mistake that's kind of public, and come to terms with it, and you just think, justice. But lots of times it can be just in positive, encouraging ways. Totally simple. A week ago or so, uh, we were wrapping presents. I was wrapping presents for Chris, and I was trying really hard to do them as well as she does. And I was just having a terrible day. Like, I cut the paper in the wrong direction, and it just, I was like, <laughs> I had to start over like three times, and it still didn't look pretty. Um, but then she had to wrap one more present, and she was like, oh, I don't know what I'm thinking. And she cut it wrong, and she had to tape an extra strip to cover it up, and I was like, oh, that makes me feel so good. <laughs> it can be in other meaningful ways and more serious ways as we experience uh, hardship in our lives. Um, sickness, infertility, grief. And then we find out somebody else either has been down that road before or is walking that road too. And it can really just be so encouraging to be able to walk that journey together and like share with each other and figure it out together and know that you're not alone in it. Well, there's this aspect of the Christmas narrative that Matthew records for us in chapter 2 that we often skip over because it just is kind of a horrible sounding little part of the account. But I think that at least in part, God has embedded this truth about what happened to Jesus to give us some encouragement to know that the light truly does shine in the darkness of this world and the darkness of our lives. So our text today, we're going to echo that last verse from John chapter 1, verse 5 that we heard in our call to worship today. And then we're going to turn our attention to Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 20. So again, John tells us the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And then as Matthew records for us what happened at Jesus' arrival, he gives us this passage from chapter 2. Now, Matthew, in his description of the Christmas story, uh, basically says this thing happened to Joseph And then Jesus was born. And then he turns the page, uh, and in chapter 2, he starts talking about when Jesus was just a little child, under two years old. And he talks about the wise men traveling across countries because they saw a star in the sky, and they thought, something amazing is happening with all the things that we've read from all these world religions. We think now is the time that something really cool is going to happen in Israel, and we're going to make this huge, long journey to see if we can experience it too. And so they come, uh, they meet with the king over Israel, uh, King Herod, and try to figure out where they should go. Uh, The king's assistants help direct them to Bethlehem, and they go and they find Jesus living in a little house with his family. But we're going to pick up the story after that. Matthew chapter 2, starting at 
verse 13. When they, these magi, these wise men, had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and the vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning. We thank you for meeting us here. We thank you that as we start a new year, we don't know exactly what to anticipate, but we know you're in it and you're with us. Father God, as we reflect on your word today, this kind of dark side of the Christmas story, we pray that you would speak to us and help us find your truth for us in the darkness and the mess of the life that we live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we reflect on this account of Jesus' story, one of the first things that I want to highlight is that Jesus experiences our danger. When we're facing the difficulty of this world or the difficulty in our lives, it's often easy for us to compare and contrast our experience to what God is experiencing in heaven and think, in all his glory and all his power, he could make things so different. And then we think about Jesus kind of as an adult walking through life, leading his ministry, and we think how he commanded demons and they obeyed, and he cast out sicknesses and healed people, and he solved so many problems. And we think, well, I'm trusting Jesus, and I know he's alive and well today. Like, why am I struggling with my problem? And first of all, I think it's important for us to remember that Jesus, even as an adult in his ministry, as he had all this authority, and as he became aware more and more of who he was and what his calling was and what his time was, he didn't use that authority to protect himself. He actually used that authority to sacrifice himself so that we could kill him and he could pay for our sins. Because he took our sin that seriously. But more than that, we see in this account from Matthew chapter 2 how vulnerable the Son of God was in this broken place that he had made. Jesus, the Son of God, in all His glory, humbled Himself to be born as a baby. And He entered a world 
where a king who only had authority because he had given it to him wanted to kill him because he was paranoid about this little child being born and being called a king. Jesus experiences our danger. We heard it in Hebrews chapter 4 that Jesus had been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. And we see in Jesus' story, embedded in all these places from his birth to his death and his resurrection, that he experienced the reality of life on earth. As he entered life as a baby, he truly entered life as a human being. And he experienced all the hardship. Like he was as vulnerable as an 18-month-old as any other 18-month-old is vulnerable. And it's even crazy to think how much God entrusted with Mary and Joseph. Like, the Son of God, as a vulnerable little child, was entrusted to to human parents who were just trying to figure it out. And he was their firstborn, so they had had no practice. All right? It's crazy. (laughs) Um, I trust they were better than I was, but... um, um, and maybe Jesus helped him figure things out as he got older. I don't know. Um, but Jesus experiences our danger. He was born, and in the first two years of his life, already the evil of our world was fighting against him in such a way that the king over them wanted to kill him. And so they sent soldiers to Bethlehem to kill every baby boy, every child, under, every boy under two, just to make sure that this threat to the king's power and authority would be stomped out. The second thing we see that I think is important and encouraging for us, so Jesus experiences our danger, but God protects his promise. He protects the promise of Jesus And he protects his promise, everything that he said will be fulfilled. We hear it even echoed in the darkness of this story. That Matthew records for us that God had said some things, and he quotes those things from the Old Testament prophets, so that we can see that in Jesus, God is fulfilling everything he promised his people he would do. God protects his promise. And it's fascinating to me that he protects his promise in ways that are very normal for us to experience. How did Joseph find out that he was supposed to go to Egypt? He had a dream. An angel didn't like suddenly show up during the day and walk alongside him in glowing light and say, Hey, Joseph, some terrible things are about to happen, and I'm going to walk with you into the land of Egypt and help you build a house and no he was just sleeping and God used every opportunity that he had in very normal ways and obviously Joseph had already experienced talking to angels in dreams Um, now 
we don't rely on dreams very often. Some of us kind of have that gift, uh, and it just kind of happens to us. Uh, a dream happens, and we know something's going to happen, and we are prepared for it. We can talk to other people about it. Uh, but most of us don't go through life uh, looking to our dreams for guidance. <laughs> I definitely do not. I would be a spy somewhere. Uh, We have other tools. God has given us his word, and we read it, and we, we seek his, under, his guidance, his truth. We seek understanding from what he's told us. We seek wise counsel from those other people around us who are figuring out with us or are a little bit ahead on the journey, and we can learn from them. And we pray, and we, we trust that the Holy Spirit is going to move in us and help us weigh the wisdom of what of the choices in front of us. We know from God's word what his plan, what his expectations are. What it, we have these principles that we get to apply to our lives. And the Holy Spirit guides us and directs us and makes things clear. God protects his promise in our lives similarly to how he protected Jesus when he was maybe 18 months old. God showed up and directed Joseph and said, you have to protect your family. Something's coming. Have you ever had that experience where you're just driving down the road, it seems like a normal day, and then you think, that car, it feels like they might do something kind of crazy. And sometimes you pay attention, you hit the brake, and, and sometimes you're like, eh, I don't know what made me think that. And suddenly they veer into your lane, and you're like, oh, God was just trying to prepare me. So, we don't always experience angels talking to us in dreams, but the Holy Spirit does, like, put little nuggets of information and wisdom and guidance and direction for us. Through his word, obviously his word is the most reliable, more than those gut instincts, uh, but we, but God protects his promise. We see it. In Jesus, God sends Jesus to Egypt, lets him live there for a while until this nasty king dies, and then the angel directs Joseph in another dream and says, okay, it's safe. You can return to the land of Israel. So as vulnerable as Jesus was, God still used his human parents to protect him. God intervened and guided and directed them so that they would know what they needed to do and they would have clarity in order to experience the fulfillment of what God was doing. In similar ways, God protects his promise in our lives. Everything that he said he would do, everything he said that is true of us in Christ, is true. He will fulfill it. And so as we endure the darkness of our lives, we can know that just like he spoke to Joseph in a dream and said, go to Egypt, we've got to protect Jesus because he really is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Then in the confusion and darkness of our own circumstances, God also intervenes to remind us that everything he said is true. We can always count on him. We can always trust him. Now, 
he's going to protect the promise that he's given us and make sure that as we trust in him, we will experience the fullness of all that he's offered. Sometimes in this life, for sure, in the next. God protects his promise. And Jesus outlives the danger. I don't know how many of you are Survivor fans. Uh, uh, the reality TV show uh, that's in, in like its 43rd season right now. Um, I haven't watched that many. Uh, <laughs> but it's kind of a compelling social experiment uh, to watch sometimes. But the principles of Survivor are outplay, outwill, outwit, sorry, outlast. Um, Jesus outlives, he outwits, he outplays, he outlasts the danger. God protected his promise, sent Jesus to Egypt. They were protected from Herod. Certainly there were still terrible things happening in Bethlehem while they were gone. Jesus' life was protected. Other people felt pain and grief. God directed them back. Again and again and again, we see Jesus outwit, outplay, outlast. In his ministry, people tried to test him, try to, uh, and he always outwitted them. Like, he had brilliant answers for every super challenging question. Eventually, his human enemies and Satan himself thought they had done something really, they had gotten him. And they sent him toward his execution. And Jesus died on the cross, and they thought, see, he wasn't really God. We were right all along. But what they didn't understand is that Jesus was doing the ultimate outwit, outplay move. Because what he had actually come for was not to prove how powerful he was as God in flesh so that we would all go, oh, wow, he's so cool. But what he came for was to pay the penalty for our sin. Because we are that desperate. We have no hope of being okay with God apart from Jesus' intervention. But he outwits, he outplays, and he outlasts our sin, the evil in the world, Satan himself, even death. We see it already as he's just this little child, vulnerable, dependent on his parents, and God protects him. God makes all the moves to make sure that our only hope will endure. As he grows, and we see him grow into authority and grow into maturity, we see him move more like God in human flesh. Again and again, he outwits, he outplays, he 
He's doing all the things that need to be done. He's going off by himself to spend time with his father. And he comes back into the action. He tells demons where they belong and he overpowers sickness, sometimes even death, in other people's lives. Then he's sent to the cross. He gives up his spirit. And all his enemies think they've won. And he knows he has just accomplished his ultimate goal. That because of his death, as we trust in him, our sin would no longer have to be held against us. He took it on himself. And then he outlived, outlasted, outplayed, outwitted, and three days later, he rose from the dead and said, even death can't stop me. And now, as we endure the darkness and the mess in our own lives, our questions and our doubts, our weakness and our faith, we look to Jesus and we say, wow. He did everything he said he would do. God always protects his promise. He said he's coming back. He said he's with us through all things, all the time, till the very end of the age, that he would never leave us alone. And so as we endure the darkness and the mess of this world and the mess of our lives, we know Jesus always outplays, outwits, outlasts. He outlives the danger. And when we're with him, we get to too. Because he gives us his righteousness. He gives us his life. He is the light shining in the darkness. He is dependable. And he's ours. He came for us. So I don't know what darkness and mess you're facing right now. I don't know what you'll face in the days to come. But I know that Jesus experiences our danger. He was as vulnerable as we are. He felt the reality of that vulnerability. So he knows what it feels like. And he's there with us. God always protects his promise. So everything that he said he will do, we can depend on it. It's true. He can rescue us and bring us safely into his kingdom. Because Jesus always outlives the danger. And when we're with him, we outlive it. Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your work in our lives, our work in our history. Lord, we love to celebrate Christmas. 
with joy and happiness and lights all over the place as a reminder of who you are and how miraculous it is that you came for us. But we also know that not all of our moments are moments of light. We struggle in in dark times and dark seasons, and we thank you that you've helped us see not only that you came in power and glory to do all the things that you wanted to do for us and to demonstrate your love for us, but that in the midst of it, you experience the darkness and the struggle like we do. Thank you for experiencing our danger. Help us trust and be confident in the reality that you always protect your promise. And grow our faith that we might walk with you and experience the fulfillment of all you've come to do, all you've promised to do, that we would be with you and be where you are by faith in Jesus. As we, with him, because he does first and best, outlive the danger. In Jesus' name, amen.